Howdy, 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 and welcome to the Red Dirt Aggie Show. I'm Brian, aka the Red Dirt Aggie, and I'm here with our very special guest, Brandon Ryder. Hello. Well, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself a little bit, tell them a little bit about yourself. <laughs> well, my name is Brandon Ryder. I am a singer-songwriter that uh, I was born and raised in Carthage, Texas, way over there on the on the Texas-Louisiana line, and then, um, you know, I graduated high school and found the guitar in college, and I went on to finish... Um, my degree at the University of Texas at Tyler in industrial technology and then about a year after I got that I decided that I wanted to chase music so uh, that's what I've been doing ever since uh, since the late 90s and uh, yeah it's uh, it's been a whirlwind I hope that's an introduction <laughs> oh yeah man that, that sounds like a good introduction to me but um that sounds sounds like you know uh, you made something of it you know to be able to make make a living doing something like that for as long as you have, you know, that's impressive in, his, in and of itself. And I think that's that points to your success. So, Well, I think <laughs> that music is one of those things that you don't get into because you want to be wealthy. I, I think that there has to be a, a passion there that is unbridled and, and that you are willing to chase uh, on whatever level and uh, that you can to get where you want to go. And then through through the years, life changes, too. And, and yeah. um, you know, your, your goals are, are different and... You know, for me, uh, I probably wouldn't even be chasing music if it hadn't been for a great friend of mine that I met. He actually uh, built the first house that my wife and I, Kelly, uh, bought. It was a, you know, it, it wasn't a custom build. It, it, it was something, it was a brand new company of his. His name was Ricky Casey. He's no longer with us. But he was the guy that pulled me to the side in 98 after I had been playing for not a very long time and started right. writing really writing songs very quickly and and he's the guy that pulled me to the side and said hey man maybe you should think about doing something with this and and that was honestly the first time that I ever thought maybe you know maybe it was something that that uh, I would be interested in so you never know what what path life is going to give you at that point my yeah. wife and I had both uh, were graduated from college we got married young we were high school sweethearts we we kind of put each other through college and then I uh, had bought that first house. We were living on Lake Palestine, south of Tyler, and uh, both had great jobs, uh, what I would call 30-year jobs back then. Right. And, you know, music just kept becoming, uh, and quickly, a bigger part of, of my life. And so, um, you know, when the door opened and it was suggested, I decided, let's do it. Yeah, you know, and you, you made that full commitment to it, right? Like. <laughs> yeah. Well, that full commitment came with a commitment from my wife as well, which is even right. more hard to uh, <laughs> understand because what happened was I put this little band together and and we were we were garage worthy and and we practiced a lot out at my buddy's uh, ranch and in his shop and and we were getting better and better. Uh, quick story: my my bass player at the time, uh, his name is Keith Pivato. Uh, Keith, his mom helped get us on a show in Austin, Texas, yeah. at Pease Park, uh, playing a show for a group of orthodontists <laughs> who are flying in all over, from all over the country for a convention. And that, that night, uh, we, we started to play the show. It was in a Pease Park, which is out in the, in the wide open, and it started pouring rain like third song in. So, <laughs> so the gig was oh, no. done. <laughs> 
the gig was over. So we got right. all of our equipment back into the back of the U-Haul. And um, my bass player again came through. His dad happened to know someone up at the water tank in northwest Austin, a, uh, a local bar. And they said, hey, if you want to come up and play a few songs, we'll let you all on stage. And so we did. <laughs> and when we got through with that, uh, they had put us up downtown Austin in right. the high rise over Fifth Street. And uh, we ordered a bunch of pizza and we brought a bunch of beer up there. <laughs> and there, you know, it was all of us guys and, and right. our wives and and I looked at my wife and I said I want to move to Austin and I want to play music and she said <laughs> okay <laughs> and that next week uh, I had a for sale sign in the yard and mm. and three months later we we made the move oh well, you know that's that's awesome man and you know to have your wife be supportive like that of your your dream you know and being like yeah let's do it you know that's that's what it's all about you know it's been <laughs> tough sometimes right sure. i mean it's it's a difficult uh it's a difficult road what is required the the amount of time that you're gone uh, mm-hmm. you know in those early days i remember you know we did i would come home from work in the afternoons uh once we got to austin we both got you know jobs we had to and uh, then at night you know i would chase the music scene and that would be anywhere from from there to College Station to San Marcos, New Braunfels was really hot at that time. Uh, yeah. You know, a hotbed for for music. You know, Randy was Randy Rogers and right. his group were were out of there. And then Wade uh, moved south down to New Braunfels. And yeah, there's been so many musicians between Austin and and New Braunfels forever. But right. man, it really opened up the doors. Uh, we did everything that we could from open mics to songwriters in the round to benefits to whatever show you could get for whatever money you could get and it had to be a passion right and, and it definitely was so you, you just you play for whoever's willing to listen you know and then you hope for the best <laughs> well you try to right? build it you try to yeah. get you try to build that that foundation and one of the cool things that we did that i thought uh, no one else really did during that time and i haven't seen anyone else do it since was mm-hmm. We made, uh, you know, we would make trips to uh, these different universities, and and we would go to, um, uh, the, um, you know, the different meetings that were were happen- happening on, you know, on monthly meetings, right? Uh, sorority meetings uh, type stuff. And while their meeting was going on, we would knock on the door, and we would come in, and we would introduce ourselves, and we would play three <laughs> or four songs. I don't think we were ever told no, we couldn't do it, but uh, it was quite a way uh, to get uh, the name out there early as we were trying to come out with records. And I've, I've heard of people playing, you know, those fraternity and sorority shows, but usually it's the fraternity and sorority that goes looking for the musicians. So for you to right. go to them and be like, hey, can we play music for you? I'm sure they're going to be like, yeah, I'll yeah. Play it. we don't have to pay. <laughs> or, you know, but. I think that was a big part of our growth. And, you know, for a couple, two, three years, uh, Antones is one of the great blues bars known in Austin and has been for decades and decades. And I was given the opportunity to uh, host a songwriter night once a week on Wednesday nights, I believe it was, there at Antones. And, And it worked out really good because I was able to have every songwriter that was out there. I mean, at that time, I was able to get Fowler and... Corey Morrow and Pat Green mm-hmm. and, and Randy and all of those guys and so uh, I think that definitely you know helped us build out that uh, that Central Texas market right yeah. off the bat. 
which you know in Central Texas you've got you've got College Station, you've got Austin, you've got like you said New Braunfels. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of places out there with good music coming out of there, and then. You know, we played uh, College Station as often as we could. We played uh, in the early days. We started at uh, the Hall of Fame. Oh, which uh, which is my time. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I knew that was what you were going to say. But yeah, the Hall of Fame, uh, and then you know we definitely moved over to Harry's there for a little while. We played. It was uh, a we did a live record in two thousand and seven, and it was recorded uh, at a couple of different venues. The mm. first venue we did was, it was called Daisy Dukes, and it was in College Station. It's and now, I think that it's Shiner Park now. It's changed names like several times. Is that one on the corner? Yeah. 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 <laughs> For the university. Yeah, we did a live part of that live record there. And, um, you know, obviously we played Harry so many times I can't even count. Mm. But The Tap. Oh, yeah. The Tap's um, a good one, too. Uh, there's been so many different venues that we've played mm. here. And the Aggies have always been good to us. Yeah, they they tend to show up for those for uh, for that type of music. Up yeah, there. it's their big scene up there for sure. I think it's the you know one of the one of the hubs, and mm-hmm. you know when we were starting out in the Texas music scene, obviously we had people that came, you know, uh, the guys and girls that came before us, and you know you think about even back to the seventies, if if you think about Willie and and those guys right. uh, really cranking it out, but even before that, Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys, and there's so many of them that. If I just went off uh, rambling on a list of performers, but you know, our time was kind of an interesting time. Pat uh, Green had really started hitting it in in about the mid '90s. Uh, I even hired Pat to do a a private party. Uh, He was playing Green Hall, and me and a buddy went down there and we said, "Hey, we're trying to book you." And they invited us out. At that (laughs) time, he was on a Winnebago, and uh, you know, met a lot of the guys in the band that were there for for years and years, like Danaher and. Um, you know those those uh, you know I still say you know, they, they, they thought Pat hung the moon and it was such an incredible <laughs> um, opportunity to be a part of that scene right but we were really kind of part of that blowing up of the scene is what I'm getting like to the, like the beginning of it sort of yeah, I don't like, think it was well, the I beginning mean, yeah but, you can't it's kind of hard to pinpoint the beginning I guess but. yeah but it was definitely a part of the growth that was a, like a like a, a rocket and it, and it took off and you know in the early 2000s you know i was i was lucky to play you know three or four gigs a month but then as it opened up uh you know in in 2005 six and and they're on you right. know as long as we wanted to i mean we were touring you know 180 plus shows a year yeah um, half the year you know it's difficult but when you're and in between all that you're traveling so it's like well between sure. there and and flying back and forth to nashville yeah. i know that was a uh, back in the early days, you know, that was yeah. a, a, a point of consternation. People wanted you to be uh, attached to the Texas scene right. and, and to Texas music. And I do believe that in the early days, I felt like you had to be more of uh, unique in, in your right. approach than, than maybe you have to now. But the scene was just opening up and really starting to blossom and has opened the doors for many of us. And all of us have spent many years in Nashville, not yeah. only honing our craft, but uh, flying back and forth, uh, you know, with songwriting deals. And, and um, you know, you look at the at the guys now and, and what they're doing, like Parker. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, just blowing it out of the water. And it's, uh, you know, it's beautiful. He, he started, you know, just like everyone else down here and then worked his way up to you know get that deal in nashville that he's got now but it's just it, it's great it's been crazy to see his growth because i watched him play you know 
at Harry's open for Josh Abbott and playing for like a hundred people to now selling out the rodeo and like all these stadium shows. It's kind of nuts. Yeah, he became a rock star. I mean, no <laughs> doubt about it. And yeah. uh, for sure. But he was always, he started so young. Yeah. And he was he was involved from a very early age of, of wanting to be there, wanting to be where the music was. And, I know, I, and he Rogers grew that over years. Or something too, right? Yeah. on his label or something like that? He worked with Randy for a, a yeah. little bit. I don't know the whole story there, but I do know that they worked together for a while. And, and uh, you know, Parker even worked with a, another friend of mine, Alan, uh, from, from the Georgetown area before he got to that level. So, right. I mean, it's not like he just came out of nowhere. I don't and, know. Started hitting uh, grand slams. It, it, uh-huh. it takes all you know anyone a while to yeah, get there. Yeah, it's a grind for sure. Yeah, it's a grind yeah. at the top. But um, what was it initially that kind of made you want to get into being a musician or inspired you originally in the beginning to start uh, playing music? I think that uh, on the whole, there's so many of us guys and girls that get into this who have a great foundation in Jesus Christ and and Mm -hmm. in our churches. And I think uh, that's a, a great part of where many of us learned to sing and began to sing. And I'm no, no different. Uh, was raised in the church, uh, singing in the church. I, I was part of you know the children's uh, you know hour on Sunday nights, helping there. And then I, led singing in church uh, after that. And I was always musically gifted. Um, always had that. Uh, always loved to write. Always mm. wrote what I thought were kind of songs in my head but I didn't really have an avenue with an instrument to use right. to be able to deliver that and so um, you know through the years uh, through band through choir through um, you know singing in public quite a bit because I, I had a few right. friends that we we sang at uh, you know the all the local events that they would have whether it be right. a, a, a festival or something we were local talent that they knew they could get cheap and <laughs> and we come to it and we did and yeah. um i think that all just kind of opened the door to getting to the to the point where once i found the guitar that was the medium that i had never had uh, right. that was that was what tied everything together with what i was writing through those times and so i immediately started writing songs i'm talking i learned three chords and uh, you know that's that's what they used to call it three chords in the three truth, in country, the truth. You know? yeah. <laughs> and so I started writing really quickly and that was what really opened the door because you know that would have been the late 90s and then uh, you know I came out with my first record in 2001 called because she loves me then pine behind the pine curtain in 03 and then 05 we went in to do this record uh, and we named it conviction and conviction right. was the record that put us on the map. That was the, that was really um, the last ditch effort for me, mm-hmm. because I had put out two records. Uh, not that they weren't good stepping stones for us and didn't give us growth, but it wasn't the growth that we needed. In that time, I I'm, I was able to meet the great uh, Walt Wilkins, great dear friend of mine who has been the uh, author of, of a lot of hits for other artists, and, and right. especially Pat Green has done uh, well recording a lot of Pat's songs through the years. And mm-hmm. So um, Pat and I, I mean, uh, Walt and I met, and the first day we met, I knew we were going to be good friends. And he was coming off a time where he was you know, wanting to come back from Nashville. He had been there for 10 years. He had been writing for... Uh, uh, Curb Records, and, and you know, it had some success there, but... 
you know, they always say there's only so much time you can spend in Nashville <laughs> before you got to come home if you're a Texan. And right. So he was wanting to come home, and, and we started doing a lot of shows together, a lot of acoustic shows uh, throughout the Texas area. And, of course, you know, being able to be on stage with someone like Walt, and then we also teamed up with, like, Susan Gibson, who wrote wide open spaces and I was just surrounded by a lot of songwriters who were older than me that I looked up to who were mm -hmm. kicking my ass every night on stage you know because their <laughs> songwriting was so much further and still you know on a lot of levels is ahead so you know Walt said he actually told my wife Kelly he said uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna produce Brandon's next record and she told me that after that night. And so the next time I saw Walt, I said, so I hear you're going to produce my record. And he said, I am. And I said, let's go. <laughs> and that's where conviction came together. Yeah. And that was a, a really, really special time. But that started, you know, um, a crazier time because then I was getting publishing offers to write songs in Nashville, things that I had never dreamt that I would have the ability to do or the opportunity to do. And, right. um, you know, that really kicked my whole career into the next level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, sometimes that's all it takes is, you know, that, that one moment. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it kind of, you, you know, you work, you work your butt off to get to that moment. And then when it, when it finally happens for you, you know, I'm sure it's a great feeling to get, to finally get that return on your well, there's so many guys and girls that are trying to right. get to a next level, the mm -hmm. next level, whatever that is, you know. I mean, we've put out 10 records, 11 records over the last 20 years. Uh, we've toured all over the United States and, and the world, and we've been able to do some really, really cool things. I always say that music has afforded me the opportunity to experience things I would have never, ever got to experience uh, so right. uh, it's been a blessing in, in so many ways uh, for sure but then at the same time when you get to that level and you're touring you know 200 dates a year and you're spending a lot of time in Nashville and you're you're married and then you start to have kids and you start to that changes you know the whole perspective for you as well right and, uh, you know I just felt like to be gone all the time after about 2013 2014 was just getting too much to bear too much yeah it was it was a it was a wild has been a wild ride and i love that i get to continue to do it it's just kind of more on my on my terms at this point you know yeah, and, like, and being present for my kids and, and for mm -hmm. my family so it yeah it kind of like shifted you shifted your focus back more towards the family as they started to grow up a little bit huh well, the first few years of their life, Dusty was born in 06, uh, mm -hmm. freeze frame time. I wrote about Dusty. Oh, that's um, one of my favorites, actually. Yeah, thank I you. Like that one. Well, that song, uh, and I'll tell you a little bit about it um, after we get through this. But then Mahalo was born in 08, and uh, I wrote a song called Pea Pie about her that was mm -hmm. on a record that I did with Rodney Foster in 2008. Um, you know, that... That being gone that much, I mean, my wife was truly a, a single mom, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I would come in, get off the bus, wash clothes, throw clothes in a bag, go to the airport, get on an airplane to Nashville, right? Stay up there three days, fly back home, get back on the bus, 
and they were beautiful but at some point you do realize that or I did that like I was going to miss my kids growing up and so right. I say that uh, the good part about it is that they don't remember a lot of that because they were small and right. that they remember now and that's the that's where what's important I'm not sure my wife necessarily agrees with that whole comment <laughs> uh, because she was the one uh, right. riding the ship uh, by herself during that time but very very <coughs> blessed and honored that uh, she has and that we've been able to do what we're done yeah you know uh, you know every man needs a good woman behind them <laughs> so you know for yeah. sure I say you know if the shoe had been on the other foot I'm not sure that I could have handled it and I mean that with uh, every every word of that it's uh, not easy to have someone who is being pushed and pulled all over the countryside yeah. and in the manner that we were and, and just the requirements that are there, whether it be radio interviews or today podcast or uh, <laughs> in-station interviews. We did right. so many of those. We You, you did. And uh, yeah. you were just constantly on the go. I often say that there's some of it that I don't remember. And... That's just because we had our nose down and we were grinding. There's so much going on that you're just, some of it's bound to slip out of there. You're just going, we going on all the time. Yeah. On the grind, man. But um, what, what would you say is your favorite part of creating music? So I'm one of those guys that I like to roll down the highway and just think about words. Um, sometimes it, it, it comes to me and I'm able to just really write a song very quickly that way and and kind of had the melody in my head and then when I get to a guitar that I can uh, or a piano that I can find my direction there and usually that happens pretty quickly but um, I always say this too I've been playing the guitar for 25 years and it never ceases to amaze me that I can pick it up for 15 minutes and I do every day I pick the guitar up every day and play and I learn every single day. It opens up. The guitar is an amazing instrument, and I don't think I will ever be a great guitar player. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm a good I'm a good rhythm guitar player. I don't play a whole lot of lead, um, but I'm good at putting melodies and melodies and hooks together. So right. that's probably my favorite aspect is is when it all comes together. Songs that are written quickly are always the ones that have a positive impact the quickest it's crazy like if you're able to sit down and write a song very quickly most of the time those songs are the ones that that just take off i don't know why that is if it's the inspiration maybe because uh, you, you don't overthink it too i think you know, i think so kind of like it sometimes those come from the heart maybe more because you're just getting something out of your head and yeah i don't know it does. It happens quickly. And, and the songs that I've had over the years that have been great hits for us, including Freeze Frame and Backroads and uh-huh. uh, Rock Angel and um, Between Here and the Front Door, Go Back In Fool, um, just so many of them, uh, You Burn Me, uh, they've, they've all been a product of being songs that were written usually in an hour or less. <laughs> That's, you know, that's pretty cool. (laughs) It's just interesting to me that those are the ones that take off so much and they come out the quickest, you know. I think heart and soul, like you said, is part Mm of that, that, you know, your your passion is vested in that. And then a lot of times, you know, when we started writing and having publishing deals and flying back to Nashville and, and writing with writers up there and I was 
blessed uh, during that time to be able to write with a lot of great writers like Radney Foster and John Randall and Liz Rose, Laurie McKenna, Walt Wilkins, of course, so many right. uh, writers that uh, really helped me hone my craft. But that was when you got into the point of where you're writing like by appointment. Yeah. And so that's a much different thought process. You, you try to come in into that with ideas, with a melody, with a hook, with a guitar riff, and then you hope that that other writer or writers are able to help you uh, cohesively put that yeah. together. So it's a little bit different. It's, it's not the easiest thing. So I always say that the inspiration is what makes the song, and a lot of times those songs that were written quickly are totally driven through inspiration, and that's why they land on paper so quickly. Yeah, and I guess that would be more difficult to have to write like on demand or by appointment rather than when you're feeling something that you want to, and that's when you're wanting to write. But if you're, you know, just trying to force it, sometimes maybe it's a little harder to to produce the same quality song. Yeah, and and that all depends on the writer that you are too. I, I mean, so. a lot of people like to to write with other people. Mm -hmm. I'm a guy who I like to write with others uh, sometimes. Uh, but I, I, I write a lot on my own because I try to sit down when the inspiration hits and take that right. moment of opportunity to blow it up and make it, you know, a song. And then uh, what would you say is the hardest part of being a musician? Is, that, is it the being away from your family, like you were saying earlier? Is it something else uh, from the mu musician standpoint? Is it a combination of things? Yeah. You know? Yeah, once you, once you get into a realm of where you're constantly on the go, uh, no matter what you do as a passion, at some point it takes on a business interest and becomes business. And so uh, having the right people in place is, is difficult sometimes to uh, get that nucleus of people that you need, but you definitely need a team. You need a, a, an army, so to speak, of people. And, I, you know, I was raised uh, by a very independent father who is a do-it-yourself man has uh, I call him MacGyver because he can literally fix anything in any situation <laughs> that I've ever been in that I've seen him working and I've learned a lot of things from my dad through the years but you know I, I think it also made me um, you know I'm not afraid to go out there individually and lay it on the line as well regardless right, of whether a that's a show yeah. like I'm going to do tonight at Dosey Doe or, or if it's a dinner show in someone's backyard um, right. that, I, that I have that ability to come in and be able to break the ice and to be able to make people feel at home and, and to be able to take that but you know a great team is, is a necessary part of it to continue to right. grow and this is not a, a you know, this is not a 50-year-old man's game. This is a young man and a young woman's game. And so, uh, you know, I think you take those early years and, and the successes that you've had, and then you try to continue to come out with music and stay somewhat viable <laughs> so that you can continue to do what you do. Right. You know? It's difficult from a standpoint of being on the road all the time. I know that a yeah. lot of people think that it's glamorous to have a bus, like a 45-foot Prevost that you've got 10 other dudes on, but it's, it's just really a tube. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, it's, it's a business and, uh, it's not, the, the, it's better than the van. 
Don't get me wrong, right? <laughs> the van. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, the overhead of everything, it, it, it did make it uh, where you constantly had to be gone and be busy. And I would say that's the most difficult part, especially right. once you start having a family, is to be gone all the time. You're missing some of the key elements yeah. of their lives, and, and you hope that you're present for enough of it that uh, your wife uh, stands beside you and... And then uh, you wake up one day and want to be like, hey, I'm here. And yeah. I'm not going to do this the same way. And, and, you know, I think that we figured out a way to do that. Yeah, well, and it, I mean, it seems to be working, you know, for you. So um, who who are some of your biggest influences, uh, maybe when you were starting out, as well as maybe some of your favorite artists right now on the scene or in the yeah. genre? So I, I'm one of those guys that... Like, all of my friends are older than me. I've always <laughs> hung out with older people. Um, I don't know why that's the case, uh, but from a very early time. I always looked up to older people, and I always looked up to the fact that I kind of could tell the, the future uh, from what I see through my friends uh, and what they're doing and what they're going through. And, uh, you know, musically, I, I wouldn't say that that was any different. Obviously, growing up in the era that I grew up in the '80s, mostly, you know, we had radio, and that was your that was your medium. So, you know, the radio, you, you weren't able to just tap into any music like you're able to do so now. And right. so, it's a much different, much different playing field. But, um, you know. Growing up, my family all listened to country music. I mean, we were listening to, to Willie and Merle, and and my grandmother loved, you know, like uh, she loved the softer side. She loved stuff like Conway Twitty and, and, and Kenny Rogers and yeah. Floyd Kramer. And then, you know, I'd go down to my papa's where he was gambling with his buddies, and they were listening to Johnny Paycheck. And, then you know, it was just kind of all over the place musically. My mother loved country music but she also loved Elvis and she loved Lionel Richie and some of that yeah. you know um, so I was kind of introduced to, to all kinds of music during that, that that time frame and I always say that people say that I'm country because my roots are definitely in country but the people that like uh, I always loved the songwriters I've always been a fan of the songwriters and so from those yeah. early days if you would say you know somebody like John Denver or uh, you know, a Don Williams, even though Don didn't write all of the stuff that he put out. Um, you know, that was that opened a lot of doors. And then as I became more in tune with like the Texas music scene, even back then, right? you know, you were introduced to the likes of uh, Billy Joe Shaver or um, Robert Earl Keane. And, you know, those, the first time I saw Robert, like <laughs> I, I was, uh, I was working in Tyler and, uh, the boss that I had while I was going to school, the boss that I had said, had said, hey man, there's a big party tonight downtown on yeah. the square in, in Tyler. And I said, oh, that's great, man. And he said, it's a concert. And I said, who's playing? He said, Robert Earl Keane. I was like, I don't know him. <laughs> and he said, well, you got to come down because he's amazing. And I did. I went down that night and listened to Robert and bought uh, all the records he had and just kind of geeked <laughs> out on that for a while. And then after that was Pat that I really kind of was like, he was 94, 95, really starting to hit it hard. Uh, remember the first time I, I, I was able to see him or, or meet him and, ah, uh, man, 
there's so many great songwriters out there that are not right. household names. And that's that's the thing is like you, your artist, like they get the notoriety, but there are a lot of writers out there that don't and should. I know that like a name like um, Lori McKenna right now. Lori is super successful. Uh, she's a great writer. I wrote a couple of songs with her on my self-titled record that came out in 2018. A song uh, called They Need Each Other was our biggest. We put a, vi a video out for that. But she's one right. of the greatest writers of all time. She wrote um, Humble and Kind. Mm -hmm. She wrote that song. Oh, she wrote She's that. written a ton of songs. Yeah. That, but she's also a performer and goes out. She's a great writer. Then like uh, Walt, I've already mentioned Walt. I think Walt is um, the greatest Texas troubadour, you know, one of the greatest out there right now who carries that flag and and is really such a great lyricist, a poet. Um, I cannot be around the man without feeling better. <laughs> uh, and, and I feel like most people definitely feel that same way. And and then a guy like Daryl Scott. Daryl Scott wrote uh, It's a Great Day to Be Alive, which Travis Tritt recorded. Yeah. And, and then also Corey recorded uh, around the same time, Moro. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's another great, great writer um, that just uh, blows my mind. John Randall. Uh, we've seen John around lately with right. uh, Miranda and Jack doing the stuff that they're doing. But John is uh, one of the best writing, playing guys I've ever been around in my life and so a lot of times when you ask me that question I'm going to promote guys and girls that are songwriters first mm -hmm. and that uh, are maybe not your your artists that you know and you hear every day on the radio but right my kids keep me up to date with uh you know my kids are, <laughs> are 15 and 17 mm -hmm. and so the, the the artists who are you know like clicking right now and and obviously they're like huge you know fans of of so many of the of the younger artists like a Parker McCollum and right, uh, it's been great to have that angle where you know I, I can call Parker and say, hey, can my kids take a picture with you tonight after the show? You know, <laughs> and, and that gives me you know like big brownie points with them, right? <laughs> but uh, gosh, there's well, so call many them great and tell artists. Them to come on our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right on. We're we're working on getting them on. He saw we were talking about his album the other day on here. And he commented on something, so I've been like tagging him every day on Twitter, like hashtag Parker on the pod. Well, after this, tag him and and say, hey, uh, your friend Brandon Ryder highly recommends doing this, and see if they. I don't know that it'll get you any traction, but maybe no, we'll it'll see. help. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> well, uh, we had Rich O'Toole was our first uh, Texas music guest. Oh, fool! I don't know if you know all about the uh, the his whole beans and chili debate. Yeah. Uh, so we ask everyone that comes on, do beans belong in Chile? No. They never have. He and I have had this conversation <laughs> many times. I know it's an angle that he uses. And, and, and Rich is good at this, uh, uh, finding angles to uh, garner publicity. And you know I'm right, Rich. And that one's no different, the whole beans and chili thing. Uh, you know, I'm, I, you know, like four fifth generation Texan, um, <laughs> I grew up, uh, you know, a bowl of red is, is about a bowl of red, and it, it has nothing to do with beans. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I love to cook, and, uh, okay. and I do a lot of, uh, a lot of different dish? cooking shows, um, and uh, I'll tell you about these dinner shows when we get through with that. My favorite dish to cook, or, yeah. oh my gosh, you, man, I'm a Texan. Your best thing that you make, I don't know. Okay, so I'm a Texan. I love whole beef tenderloin, you know, get it, oh. 20 of your friends together. Uh, cook some whole beef tenderloin, medium rare in the middle, 
and then you know the ends are more for the people who like it more towards the medium <laughs> we'll do like a, a roasted garlic heavy cream butter mashed potato we do these charred carrots that we uh, we roast and we get some color to them whole carrots we don't skin them we don't do anything and then we rub them in honey and salt and kosher salt and black pepper people go nuts over those carrots and we do all these different salads and, and different things but it's funny man um, you know food and music go together so well yeah and uh, through the years there are a couple of different groups of people that I've been able to meet through music that I wouldn't have and one of those are chefs I've met so many great chefs through the years um, and have been able to utilize them for things like I'm putting on a dinner party and right. I call my buddy Grady, who I'm like, what do I need to pair this with? You know, right. gonna, but it's taught me a lot. And so through music, I've been able to do some shows at different restaurants where we've had, you know, a hundred tickets sold and we've done kind of like a meet and greet type thing. Right. Well, then when COVID hit, we were all out of work. Uh, and we were sitting at the house and a couple of the things that I did we all did the Facebook deal where we did some Facebook live uh, I cooked oh, yeah, a, I remember that I cooked a whole hog on Facebook I don't know if you remember <laughs> that uh, we would come on every like three hours we started early in the morning uh, we kind of had this idea we were me and <laughs> me and a buddy of mine that, that lives close to me and we we went and got a bunch of cinder blocks and we made our own pit <laughs> and we got some merch racks from uh, being on the road all those years, and we, you know, we we sandblasted them, scrubbed them down, and, <laughs> and put them on some heat to get them ready, and and we put the pig on there, and we and we tied it down, and we had it to where we could flip it with the the merch right. racks. They were literally merch, <laughs> merch racks. racks. That's awesome. <laughs> so, long story short, we did stuff like that, uh, and then the governor, when we uh, could start, he said. You can start having get-togethers in your in your right. backyards of you know twenty or less, and this opened up the idea for the dinner shows, and so I called my uh, manager in Nashville, and um, I don't think anybody really thought that this would take off and fly, but it's what what happens is uh, they they uh, get in touch with my agent, they hire me to do the show, I then get in touch with them, we mm -hmm. set a menu of what we're going to have that night, I send them a grocery list. They have to do the hard work there. <laughs> I show up at their house, say we're going to do a Saturday night uh, dinner show. If they want to serve at 7, I show up at 4 o'clock. We throw out this amazing meal for them and 20 of their friends. And then when that's done, I break out the guitar and we do a concert as well. That's awesome. It just showcases my love for both angles, the food and, yeah. and the music. Um, my next show is next Saturday night. It will be my 87th dinner show that I've done wow. in the last two years. It's well, become a, a big part of what I do. Well, that's that's cool. You get to you get to you know take two of your passions there. Like you said, you like the cooking, and then get to go play a show too. And that's that's probably cool for fans of you and stuff to get to see you in a more up and close, like you know, intimate setting near the backyard. And that's cool. exactly what it is. It's an intimate setting uh, where people can you know get up close and personal. I think a lot of people in the beginning think that the food part is going to be kind of like. And we'll see if he can cook or not. You know, let's see what he does. And then when they get there and figure out what's on the menu, and we throw out this amazing meal, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, he can cook!" And then you break out the guitar and you just sit down, you know, with everybody. Yeah. There's no PA. You know, right. another great part of that is that a lot of times they have stories to tell me. Yeah. About how they first met, or they were on their first date at my concert, or that freeze frame time. Um, 
you know, means something to them, uh, or mm-hmm. that they have a kid named Ryder, or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's a really cool coming together yeah. type deal, and uh, I've enjoyed them thoroughly, and I hope to, uh, with that, I hope to, to create a, a pilot uh, for, for a show uh, that yeah. we, we want to do with it, and do it at some bigger places. I've done it at some wineries, and and, uh, and some restaurants, too. but uh, try to continue to morph the music and the like food. Wineries and breweries, you could go in there if they don't serve food there, and then you know, yeah, maybe do something like that there too. And then it's a bigger area that might already have a stage or something too. We just did this uh, three weeks ago at a place called Axis Winery in the town that I live in now, Salado. Uh, I should say the village that I live in. I actually <laughs> live out of town, but. Things like that, where we'll sell like a seventy-five to a hundred tickets. Right. Uh, we kind of pick a menu that we think is going to really go off the last uh, menu that we did for that. It's at a winery. It's hot outside. In fact, that day it was like one hundred and five. It was brutal. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had we had uh, paella. We had uh, like this white fish with a, a lemon garlic sauce. We had all these different uh, like we call uh, coastal ideas and we'll change the yeah. ideas up every single time that we do it kind so mix it up and keep yeah. it keep it fresh it's a blast yeah and people love uh food and people yeah, love music so everybody likes to eat everybody likes music so <laughs> it's a great marriage <laughs> um so automove what's what's the craziest thing you've seen or experienced while you've been out on the road you know uh playing you ever seen anything crazy at a show or just on the way to a show i don't know oh yeah i mean <laughs> Yeah, um, gosh, trying to figure. I'm, my brain is right now dumping, and it's going. Like, okay, which one <laughs> yeah, of these? Like, which one of these uh, are we are we going to tell? Um, you know, there was this one Saturday. We were, um, gosh, the comedian. I'm, I'm, his name is escaping me right now. He was the the watermelon man. He recently passed. It hasn't been long ago, like in the last uh, couple of years. He was a comedian that would, uh, got to be known, and, and I'll spit his name out here in a minute because it's right on the tip of my tongue. But uh, he he was known for smashing watermelons. Oh. You know, kind of like uh, Ross Chastain is now in, in NASCAR. <laughs> but uh, uh, gosh, I can't think of his name, and I'm so, I hate that. I'm so sorry for those of you listening and being like, well, this makes no sense. But I'll think <laughs> of it here in a minute, or we'll Google it. Yeah. And, and, uh, or Google it. And we'll have it in the description. Don't so we video. were playing in uh, we were playing at the Texas Music Theater in in the Texas Theater in Waxahachie, and it's early in the morning. We're loading in at like eleven o'clock in the morning. Uh, you know, everybody's just waking up, getting coffee, uh, getting going, and and while we're sitting there and everything's getting loaded in, uh, this gentleman walks in, and. Uh, we were all shocked to see him because we right. knew, we recognized him and knew who he was, even though I can't remember his name right now. But it was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> hey, man, uh, talk, <laughs> talk to us. And, 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 uh, and he said, well, I happened to be passing by, and I saw your big, nice bus out front. And I thought, <laughs> if they can afford you... I bet they can afford me. <laughs> and so, um, gosh, I'm, I'm just because I'm trying to think of it. But, you know, you see anything and, and everything out there on the road. You, you meet people um, that are really, really great to you. And you meet people who you think 
are some of your heroes and, and I won't mention any of their names but that you find out that they're kind of jerks and that you don't really <laughs> want to know them but you know some of the other stories that are, are really great were, were getting the chance to uh, open up for like Willie I've done that a few times got to open up for Merle Haggard out in Lubbock wow. at the amphitheater my grandmother thought that, that she had died and gone to heaven and she thought that I was <laughs> uh, the next big superstar because I was opening up for, for Merle in, in that uh, situation and then um, Charlie Daniels I got to, to be friends mm -hmm. with him and Charlie was uh, probably one of the greatest that I've ever been around and uh, what a what a fierce uh, beautiful man that he was his his passion for what he did and um, we, the last show that we did with him was uh, it was a festival it was in Temple Texas and and we hung out in the green room and and he signed right. autographs for all of us and took pictures with <laughs> us and and then we got to go sit on the edge of the stage and watch Charlie Daniels and his band uh, kill it like it was 1975 <laughs> yeah. and they were amazing and uh, so just all of those guys that I grew up listening to on the radio that we were able to actually rub elbows with and, and open up with uh, those were some phenomenal phenomenal yeah. get to meet your heroes <laughs> yes absolutely that's, that's pretty cool it's like yeah. a sign that you made it you know when you're out there like you know it's almost like wow these are my peers now you know you're like you know you never think of it that way <laughs> no, but, you, no um, you know but yeah it's true <laughs> You know, um, yeah, it's crazy. It is, uh, it is wild. So we're gonna look this up while you ask this next question. Uh, watermelon. Yeah, let's see if we get watermelon. Uh, what was the? What he was? Uh, a comedian? comedian. Watermelon smashing comedian. Uh, I don't we're think I typed that in there right. Gallagher. Okay. Uh, Gallagher. Okay. Do you remember him? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, you weren't is... born until like the end of the 90s, so it, <laughs> it does make sense that you don't remember who Gallagher was. But uh, for those of you who do, uh, he was he was a very funny man, and <laughs> you never knew what he was going to say or do. And, uh, you know, it was a wild story. <laughs> Just that he happened to be there. <laughs> yep. But um, do, do you have a favorite song that you have written um, yeah. that, of yours, like, out of all of them, one that's that reigns as your favorite. Yeah, for sure. Um, my seventeen-year-old son, his name is Dusty, and and I wrote a song called "Freeze Frame Time" for him before he was born. You know, we've talked about how um, when I decided to kind of chase this dream that I was already married. Right. And Kel and I, uh, we got married very young. We were twenty-one and nineteen. We we're high school sweethearts, and yeah. we decided at that age that we were going to get married, but that we were going to wait a while to have kids. And mm -hmm. I tell people that we waited uh, just long enough where the grandparents quit asking if we were ever going to have <laughs> grandkids. And so that that was part of it, you know, the being able to to wait those years. And I would never be doing music had we not done that. I probably would have never made the move to Austin, Texas, right. had we already started having children. So it, it completely changed the trajectory and, and direction of what we were doing. And so... You know, that, that, that was a big part of it. But then when we did decide to uh, start having kids, yeah, I had watched all my friends have kids. And right. I knew that it was something that I had never experienced and was not going to experience until I had a child. And so taking that and using their eyes and what they taught me before my son was here, mm -hmm. I was able to write a song that has like, been one of my top two or three songs that I've ever written and it is about my son 
Okay. So it is the it is the grandest thing to be able to write a song about your kids, especially from that point standpoint and then watch as they age and they get to the point where now they're young adults themselves that we're talking yeah. about what colleges they want to go to yeah. uh, and so it's it's a wild thing but you know freeze frame time was really the song that when i wrote it i knew that i had become a good songwriter mm-hmm I mean that's that's my favorite one. Thank <laughs> you. But yeah, it's one of but... those universal songs. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether you're a child or whether you're 85 years old. It resonates. Well, yeah, and it can it can mean something different to everyone. Like you wrote it for your son, but it yeah. could mean like you know if you love someone or if so, or if, you know like you said someone's old and they're about to pass. I mean I don't know. It can mean something a lot of different things. I think to a lot of different people. And that's why it's universal. Yeah, it means something about your spouse ones. or your children yeah. or your or your grandparents or whatever. And so that song is probably uh, not probably it, it's got to be up yeah. there as the, as the best. And I love to sing it, and I'll sing it tonight and every night I'm on stage. Yeah, got to. That's it's it's a really powerful song, honestly, too. Just the, the way that everything about it. Thank you. Um. What about your favorite live concert that you've ever gone to see? Maybe one you weren't playing in, but just your favorite concert you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, this might uh, cause a, a, a little bit of a, a ruckus with everything that's been going on later uh, lately, but I think one of the first concerts that really, really blew me away was uh, going to watch Garth Brooks at the Texas, what then was Texas Stadium, when the Cowboys were uh, in Mesquite. This would have been in the 90s, uh, we had a friend who asked us if we wanted to go. There was, uh, I don't remember how many, but at least 15 of us. Right. And she was able to get on and get tickets to the event. And we were in the nosebleed section. Yeah. Of course. Way up in the top well, of the Well, if you get 15 tickets together, <laughs> yeah. Garth Brooks. <laughs> yeah. So we're sitting there, and I'm on the end of the row. And I mean, like, we're way. I'm talking right, about, I'm I mean, like, really, really up there. Up there. <laughs> and this lady comes to me, and she has... A badge on and she says hi I'm so-and-so and I'm with Garth Brooks entertainment and how would you like to sit on the front row of the Garth Brooks concert tonight <laughs> and I looked at my friends and I, my wife and I looked at her and I said what's the catch and she said there is no catch Garth has picked out certain seats in the stadium that are going to be uh, blinded by cameras and stuff and so if you're ready to go and I said but there's like 15 of us and she said doesn't matter. Grab belt loop to belt loop. You grab mine, and we're going to snake our way down there. When we did, <laughs> uh, when we stopped and turned around to the stage, we were front and center of the concert. That was, uh, I mean, there was there was rain. There was fire. Uh, there was explosion. Uh, Garth was flying over the stadium. Uh, I'm serious. He was flying from one end to the stadium. You know, like it was insane. And I had never been to a concert like that. Right. And so um, to be able to turn around and stand from a stage vantage point and look at sixty thousand people in a in a in a place where the Dallas Cowboys plays, it completely changed my whole world and made me think. You know. Maybe I would like to do this one day. But think, <laughs> at that time, I didn't even play the guitar. Right. That and was around like, the corner. 
But mm-hmm. I think still that concert was a part that made me. So that's sad. one of the one of the many things that kind of maybe made you start thinking like, hmm, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then a couple of friends at a keg party playing the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just came full circle. <laughs> wow. But uh, what about you? What's the coolest venue you've ever played? Well, I don't think that you can play in the Texas music scene and not talk about the Green Halls right. or not talk about the Billy Bobs. Right. Uh, but there's so many great dance halls, and those are still my favorite. Uh, like mm-hmm. Copeland Dance Hall, Schrader Hall. We're playing Fry, uh, uh, Freiburg Hall uh, coming up this weekend. We're, I love the dance halls, and they're still out there, and they're still viable. And it's up to us, and, and it's up to y'all, the younger generations, yeah. to continue to go out there and support these venues to uh, continue to support live music because that's that's truly where it is. I think a lot of people don't get it, and maybe it's changing somewhat now, but for us, like there wasn't another place on the planet, there wasn't another place in the lower 48 that you could basically create your own music and yeah. go out and purvey that music and sing that music and, and try to build a fan base that way and Texas has always been unique in that obviously we did a live at Billy Bob's uh, 10 years right. ago uh, and that was a that was a great experience to be able to to do that I had the place is massive it is and to <laughs> be able whole, to like, like we complex. had like a 15 piece band that night yeah I had Brandon Anthony playing fiddle I had Walt playing guitar and, and singing I had Radney Foster come in and sing on a couple of songs <laughs> there with us we had wow backup singers and, and <laughs> we had everything and 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 that was a basically a two-day ordeal you come yeah. in on friday you get everything set you go through some rehearsals wake up saturday do, do kind of the same thing and then and then uh record that night and it's it's truly a you know you it's a whirlwind yeah. i mean it all goes by so fast but you know i had all of my family there we, we, we probably had you know, 200 people there that were right. with us. So that was a pretty incredible night. And to be one of, uh, you know, less than at that time, a 80 artist that had ever done that. And in the likes of the greatest names in country music who did, uh, from Willie to Tanya Tucker to Charlie Pride to you name it, to Ragweed. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. We all did them. Uh, and that was a great opportunity. And then was there like, was there a certain time? I mean, they still record the live albums there a lot, but was there like, it seems like around the same year, there was a lot of people that recorded live albums at Billy Bob's. I noticed it's like a popular place to... It was a lot. It was an emphasis during that time with the mm-hmm. management there to to do as many of these that they could with the Texas artists who were coming up and breaking the yeah. scene and doing those things. And, you know, still to this day, I mean, I think Pat plays at least yeah. twice a year there and... Uh, you know, still sells it out. You know, and mm-hmm. it's such a it's, it's such um, a trademark of of the whole Texas music scene in general. Yeah. So, I love it. What What would you say is your ultimate goal for your career as a musician as you continue to play music? <laughs> I, I always say I've been doing this a long time, not to be that popular, and it seems to be working out just fine. Uh, you know, we've had so much success through the years. We've been able to be on so many different stages with so many different artists and to, to open or to headline events uh, all over the U.S. and then, and then the world um, as, as well. Those things, again, are 
memories that would have never been created had it not been for music. So to right. say at this point of my career, after 11 records and, and uh, you know, kind of dabbling in the in the whole food side of everything now too <laughs> yeah. is I think that the the part is longevity you know mm-hmm. you you want to create um, a sense or a source so where you can continue to do it but understanding that you're going to be doing it at a different level uh, mm-hmm. and you can kind of bring some of those other passions in like food or whatever your passions are to music right. and kind of play in that arena as well and so you know, I was on the way down here uh, today. I, I had a 30-minute conversation with a great friend of mine who has started his own brand yeah. of uh, charcoal and, and uh, uh, offset smokers. And I've watched this man uh, put his heart and soul into these efforts. And, yeah. and, and I see what he's doing now really come to fruition. And so I think that's the same thing. You know, like when you're a young man and you've got to have that passion and that drive to go out there to, to do this because you don't necessarily get into it again for the money. You get into it because you have a passion yeah. and, and God has given you this ability. And I think that uh, watching other people do that, I would kind of like to have that opportunity to have a passion about not only my music, but, you know, things in that world too. So uh, my buddy that I'm talking about uh, uh, owns a company called texas original uh, charcoal he has yeah. a couple of different lines of charcoal and then uh, they also have a pit line texas original pit and uh, the just the the doors that uh, he's opened uh, have all been through his hard work and dedication to his craft right. and so man there's a lot of great people out there that can cook yeah. i mean they yeah. can cook their butts off and i've learned so much <laughs> from them and and, the, and that's another you know like you you get your hands on uh, one of these chefs, one of these uh, guys that that they have a name, and then you hear their story about how long it's taken them to get to the point right. where they're at, and and you learn that. But I definitely want to be in that food. I'm even going to say it, food network world. I mean, yeah. I, I do. I, I I hope someday that we can create a show that's in involves music and kind of take this from the whole beginning well, of it to where it's at now. I could see something, you know, like definitely you could do. Texas music and cooking on a show because there's so many different like you could do barbecue you could do chili to yeah. start you know and then because those are definitely main Texas dishes you know you can, it kind of all it works together it really does you know but, it does but then yeah. also you know when you, when you include those those foods there you don't realize how many artists how many singer songwriters are also great foodies yeah that they can cook like let's just say for instance Pat Green Right. Uh, I've been to Pat's house and written with him, and that night uh, he took me to the grocery store, and he got a rack of lamb, and and we got wine, and he made this whole amazing meal, and I was like, damn, this guy can cook and sing too. Yeah. You know, Radney Foster, every time we go up to Nashville and stayed with him, I mean, um, gosh, that man can cook too. So there are a lot of artists who, you know, if you bring into this thing, they, they have a passion for it. And not only do they have a passion for it, but they're damn good at it. Right. Yeah. And yeah, you know, that it, it all goes together. <laughs> it does. So I have to ask, what's your opinion on being categorized, you know, as that Texas music or red dirt scene? And what's your opinion of the whole genre today? What direction do you think it's headed I, in? Or what do you think of it today? I know, I, it's kind of changed a little bit. I, I know that it was a, <laughs> it was a, a subject of consternation uh, for sure in you know, 15, 20 years ago, because everyone was so, like, this is our music. 
This is yeah. this is ours. This is Texas music. This is mm -hmm. Red Dirt music. This is this is not what's on the radio in Nashville. This is a, you know. But um, you know, I've seen that stance soften as it should over the years. Yeah. The truth is that a lot of us artists who were in the scene at that time, we're not like true Texas, uh, true um, you know, like country artists in the mainstream right. sort of of value. But we are artists who have been influenced by all these other types of music, and uh -huh. then we take that and make it our own. So who are we to say what Texas music is? Because right. everything that we put out there is is really just kind of a smorgasbord of, of well, all the influences yeah. that we had, right, at the time. And so I've always been a lover of, of all music, and still to this day, you know, like I, I take great pride that my 17-year-old son uh, loves Metallica uh, yeah. because I grew up on Metallica as well mm. and I love their music to this day and it's so it's just being versatile and I think that the scene today has just taken that to the next level and the next level and yes it's hard to turn on radio sometimes and tell what is country yeah. because it, country is different now but it's yeah. always going to change so I don't want to ever stick you know that knife in and say you know what, that's not country music, or that is. Now, don't get me wrong, the whole like rapping thing with country music, I thought was, um, it was a little beyond me. And, and I do <laughs> tend to love and follow the songwriter, the, those Right. Who, and, um, you know, I'm not just there to tap my foot and to, to hear a beat. I, I want to hear a story, and I want to hear... Something has more meaning, a little bit more What meaning. has meaning to them. And so, that's... Uh, that's the important part of being a songwriter yourself. Yeah, I would have to agree with all that. I mean, you know, there's you don't want to completely say, you know, oh, one whole scene this or one whole scene that. But at the same time, you know, a lot of the guys that come out of Texas and this red dirt scene, that some of their some of their music, they they tend to more of them tend to be songwriters. Yeah, like true songwriters, and so a lot of their uh, a lot of their stuff does have more meaning sometimes, and I think that's why people resonate with the Texas with the scene so much. You definitely have a plethora of uh, songwriters in the great state of Texas who can yeah. keep you occupied for the rest of your life. They truly mm. can because they're that good. And a lot of them before us, you know, too. But th this is, uh, for whatever, you know, reason, Texas is just cranks them out one after another. And it's a blessing to have that because... You know, at this point in life, I don't, I don't always have to get on a plane and fly somewhere to go write with someone. I can, you know, yeah. I'm pretty centrally located. I can call one of my buddies and say, hey, man, if you come over on Monday about 10 o'clock in the morning, I'll cook you lunch. We'll write a song <laughs> and we'll hang out at the creek. Yeah. And they're like, I'm in. You know, yeah. let's do that. And so I think that's the, the blessing of having uh, a great uh, amount of great songwriters here as well. Yeah, man. And do uh, you got any new music or anything that you're working on that you can tell us about? Any announcements for shows or anything? Sure, man. So, uh, you know, last year it was in the summertime that we came out with a song uh, called Under the Lights on Friday night. Yep. Uh, this song was uh, uh, written by a, a friend of mine uh, that I happened to meet on a trip last year. We were celebrating the life of a good friend of mine who had passed away. We were spreading his ashes. Yeah. Uh, out on a ranch and I happened to meet uh, this gentleman and we became friends and he sent me uh, a bunch of songs that he had uh, had either written or co-written or um, I decided to listen to him one day when I was working out and I 
had this song, you know, my son's going to be a senior this year. Of course, he would have been a junior last year. He's been on varsity since he was a sophomore, moved up at the end of his freshman year. And yeah. I mean, obviously, eats, sleeps, and breathes football. Yeah. There's another group of people I talked to you about um, meeting chefs, the other group that I've met through the years that I've become a, a dear friends with are our coaches, man. I, they just have a, a great regard for our coaches and what they do for our youth both right. men and women, uh, the, the impact that they leave on our children long after they leave the game, uh, as obviously we know most kids are not going to play professionally. Right. But I, I think that's a, a great a great part of that. And so I called my friend, and uh, he goes by Bear. Mm-hmm. And I said, Bear, dude, I heard this song, and I, if you don't mind, I would love to maybe rewrite a, a, a portion of it if with your blessing and you involved and... And record this and and so we did and it was a it was a great success last year it's the first song off of an off a new record that right. we're working on I don't have a release date for it right. and the reason that I don't is because and and I know that you're young but in two years we will be on the 20th anniversary of conviction coming out and so we're going to do a whole big release uh, a re-release of conviction uh, we will probably re-record songs like Backroads and Freeze Frame Time. We're nice. going to have a whole new record that those will be on. And so my uh, idea between now and then is that we will continue to crank out a single probably two a year in advance of that and and have that going. I'll continue to uh, not play Fridays in the fall and be at, at both. Uh, Dusty yeah. plays football. My daughter, Mahela, uh, is a volleyball player. She's, okay. she's pretty good at that. And so... Mm. Uh, you know, the thing is just to be to be present and to be with my kids, but to continue to promote and do what I love to do. And and hopefully right. people will keep booking us. We've got, uh, you know, we don't play as many bars as we used to. We play right. fairs and festivals and private events and corporate events and backyard dinner parties. And, uh, you know, just always looking to continue to expand that. You know, I've done these dinner shows as far as like Phoenix and yeah, and um, you know Oklahoma, Louisiana, and obviously Texas is a big backyard, and Colorado, and mm-hmm. so it's given me the opportunity to cook in some different places. Yeah, and, and sing. It's been a lot of fun. Well, that's. I, I really like that idea of the dinner shows. I think that's pretty neat. I've never really seen anything like that. I've seen you know people will have dinners and like where the artists will come and perform, but for you to actually cook the dinner too, you know, I don't know. That's. Yeah, it gives you extra points, right? It's unique. <laughs> it's cool, and no one else is doing yeah. it. I, I, I mean, I think uh, Rich is definitely getting in on the food side of this. I, I, I saw I he's been hanging out with the um, what's his name who has trail burgers down yeah. in Houston. Yeah, the, I can't uh, think of his name right now either. But, but definitely, you know, and I think that uh, it's a it's a world. Bun B, I think it is. Sorry. Zach Bryan, uh, he he does a lot of food events. You know, like, oh yeah, uh, um, he's on fire right now. Zach too. Brown. <laughs> Uh, is who I'm thinking of. Did oh. I say the right name? Zach, Zach Bryan. Bryan. I was going to say he's been on fire lately, though, oh, no, too. No but. doubt. <laughs> I, I think uh, the more that we infuse food and music, I think that that we can have success there. And So that's really my, my focus right now is continue to make music, continue to uh, push these different food angles, and uh, see if I can't end up you know, with a few products at your local HEB. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would man, that would that would be awesome. What are you gonna? What's it gonna be called? What's your product gonna be called? Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like uh, there's Breaky Bomb salsa out there. You know, Breakman's got the salsa. I mean, it's gotta be something that's associated with B Riders. B Rider, uh, 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I always, you know, and I've been asked. A lot of people have asked me ranch. to get <laughs> into the into the restaurant world, but it's not somewhere that I feel like I can be. Uh, and I know that the commitment that that takes. But if I ever had a place, like if I ever had a restaurant, uh, I would I would like to call it something like a Rider's Pick and Parlor. Oh, there you so go. So I would like to have a small establishment that uh, only caters to acoustic acts. Nice. We're not going to have music guests there too. Yeah. Yeah. And so you bring, you know, like try to have music, you know, four or five nights a week from local to people that are routing through and do some. Yeah. Uh, and make the food, you know, high end level as well, but uh, not, not anything, you know, like. I'm talking. Yeah. We're still going to have chicken fried steak, and you're still going to have chili without beans in it. <laughs> but Maybe a burger there somewhere too. <laughs> you can't go wrong with burgers. No, you can't. Like that's. You ever go to a restaurant, you know, and you're like, I don't know about this menu. There's always a burger there. <laughs> I'll safe. give you a great story. Uh, if we still got time, this last week we spent a couple of not. We spent several days up in Colorado, which was fantastic because it was so cool. Uh, 40s at nighttime and, and daytimes, mostly in the 60s. And uh, we ended up going by this place called Bud's Bar. This is outside of Denver Southwest. And mm-hmm. Bud's looks like a place that has been there for a long time. And so yeah. I told my wife after about the third time, I said, We've got to stop in there. I just know <laughs> there's a story to this. Yeah. And so we, we did one afternoon. We stopped in Bud's and went in and sat at the edge of the end of the counter, uh, ordered a couple of beers. They are known for their burgers. Oh, Listen to this. They they uh, they only serve burgers. They've been open since 1948. Oof. The menu is either a single burger or a double beef burger. Uh-huh. They don't do fries. Oh. They only do chips. You can have your choice of drink to go with it. And then uh, the burgers, which is crazy, are um, they they steam them. Interesting. And I had never heard of a steamed burger. I guess like you make on the stovetop kind of. Uh, they like, would have to steam them through steam some, them, like, you know, some type of apparatus like yeah, that. Yeah, like that's interesting. And they were, um, you know, got American cheese and that, yeah. you know, that bun that, you know, is quintessential to <laughs> to making the good burger and known as uh, one of the top burger places in all of Colorado. Was it good? Oh my gosh, it was yeah. over the top fantastic. Yeah. It really was everything that they said that it was. Not only that, but I got to uh, meet Paulie there, who's the manager, and he kind of gave me the lowdown of the history. There's a gentleman there that, uh, uh, Mr. Heyer uh, <laughs> is, is, is his name, and uh, he was kind of the, the, the screw up of, of that area. <laughs> He's at like 82 now, and he had a couple of books, and and I was able to get his books, and I read one of them on the on the flight home. And I'm just telling you, man, uh, if you ever get a chance to go through a place like that, you never know. Those are always yeah, the places like, that has the best food. Those old-looking like burger joints or anything. And they're just you pass like, by, you're like, oh, this has got to be good. You know, if it's been here this long, it's it's got to be good. Take it or leave it, and it was fantastic. So Bud's Bar, Sedalia, Colorado. If you're ever okay. through. <laughs> I'll have to tell my uh, my wife's family they're up there in Colorado actually this weekend they're in the Denver area so maybe I'll yeah. tell them hey you gotta go here uh, go to Brandon Ryder says there's a good burger there <laughs> I thought it was fantastic yeah man I'm always looking for good burgers and it's about 40 tell, degrees I like me a good burger <laughs> and it's about 40 degrees cooler right now so <laughs> yeah the, sure the weather's a little bit better up there it was here. fantastic it's hot right now down here but uh, I'll end with uh, just a couple more questions here um 
So you, you said cooking. You got any other hobbies besides music and cooking? I mean, well, I guess music's not really a hobby now. It's your career, you know, and your passion. I try but... to live out all my hobbies, you know. Yeah. And you know how hobbies can be expensive, so I, I have to, to pick and choose, you know. I'm not a good golfer. Uh, I can whack it around on the on the golf course, but I'm not good at that. You it's know, really I, hard to hope for the best. Yeah, I... I you know, I, I know that a lot of business is done there, but really, truly, yeah. you know, like food and music is really my passion, my two passions and where I I have definitely focused on and not even, you know, if, um, it was through COVID that that whole thing was born. So you never know what can come from uh, crazy times in your life. Making the best of a tough situation, you know, where yeah. it's harder to get the big gatherings together. So you're like, well, how can we still make this work? And yeah well we all did different things from the Facebook live stuff which was yeah. mostly free but people had you know that's really when the whole Venmo and, and cash apps and I all know, those I things started all the artists were streaming stuff and they, and they put their Venmo stuff up there and I'm like you know that's a good idea and it's it's entertainment I would watch a lot of them and you know yeah. send a few dollars here and there and it was fun I wrote lyric sheets that's another thing that I did yeah. quite a few of us did I wrote uh I think during that time, I probably wrote somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 lyric sheets for people. Um, well, that's cool. I mean, that would look, stuff like that would look good, you know. Yeah. All right, we'll get free spring time over to you. What do <laughs> you think? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I got your address. I think yeah, I'll make man. that happen. Yeah, that'd be sweet. <laughs> there. Um, yeah. But obviously, uh, sports in general. I'm a sports nut. Uh, yes, I love I love too. sports. I played baseball <laughs> growing up. Okay. Uh, you know, I wasn't good enough uh, to, to look at next level with that. Um, at, at about 16, I decided I'd rather chase girls than chase that, that dream. And, <laughs> right. and then, you know, football has always been a, a passion. Again, I wasn't um, big enough to really get into that, you mm-hmm. know, when I was in high school. Um, but, you know, being able to watch my son play and, right. and my daughter play volleyball, a sport that I didn't know really anything about. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've learned a lot now, though, huh? It's been, a, it's been a growth. Uh, it's yeah. been a lot of fun. Uh, I think that when we talk about, like, coaches and, and being able to be close to coaches, again, to see the impact that they have on our children, I think that's just such a super huge deal. I've been able to work with different coaches on different projects. You know, when uh, Brock, uh, the Brock Eagles were getting started up, my nephew was uh, going there, and, and they were starting a football program from scratch, and they asked me to do some some fundraisers and stuff like that and they did a ton and 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 raised money and basically started a football uh, program without the blessing of of a school board and paid for it themselves (laughs) the first couple of years until they couldn't deny it you know things like that the coaches that you meet chad Worrell was there and then he was recently at uh uh, he was down in el campo and then left there and now he's up in burleson but uh you know meeting a, a lot of these coaches gets you the chance to see a lot of the the younger players that are coming up and what they're doing obviously the Aggies have a pretty good running back coming out of the uh yeah. El Campo area yeah uh right now so Ruben yeah uh, Ruben uh, yeah. yeah Ruben uh, I got to watch him in a high school football game a couple of years ago um at Baylor uh, Chad was they were playing there in the playoffs, and right. we were able to be on the sidelines. And and uh, Reuben Owens, when he came around the corner, man, <laughs> and my son was with me, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and I went, "Whoa!" I mean, you want to talk about an all-out athlete, fast? Uh, yeah. And uh, man, it was uh, pretty cool. And then we got to uh, scrimmage against them last year, and um, you know, 
watch Reuben up close and personal. So yeah. congrats, congrats to the Aggies for that. Yeah, I'm looking looking forward to this season for Aggie football. You know, there's nowhere to go but up from last year. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, you know, we'll knock on wood here. But well, the game has changed so much. I, I mean, <laughs> I love sports. I can talk football. I love the fact that uh, you know I'm in the mode of talking. And my kid's doing, you know, like recruiting and, and we're going to right. different uh, camps and, and getting to meet some of these different coaches. So, so uh, you know, that's a lot of fun. It, it's interesting to see, you know, where college is at right now with the portal. And right. and I think that that's kind of hurting some high school recruiting because it kind of gets pushed to the last, the last part of it all because yeah. you're trying to see who's in the portal and where they're coming from and who's leaving you and going where and it's so nuts. It's it is nice. World it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see what this does for you know, like my kids, and uh, you know, and trying to get placement into a college program. But I think it's beautiful because you know, if if you have the heart, uh, if you'll run through a brick wall for these coaches, they they'll give you the opportunity. And yeah, um, you got to be disciplined, and you got to be able to have the work ethic and the tenacity. And the stick to itiveness to be able to to play at the next level, and so to watch my kids uh, have that interest, and then to be turning it into a reality, is cool. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it truly is. That's awesome. Well, uh, well, thank you so much, man, for for coming by today and for hey. taking time out of your day to come, you know, do another interview. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank here, you. Uh, I appreciate on the, the road opportunity. and. Um, my wife, she's she's not here right now, but I'm gonna to talk to her when she gets back, and I think we're gonna to try to head over to see your show tonight over there at a Dosi Do. Yeah, the big the big uh, the big house. Um, yeah, the big the barn, big barn, right? As they That's what. Yeah, the big barn over there in the woodlands. It's such a great uh, place to play. They have great food as well. You know, Steve has yeah uh, has had menu. on that bar for many years and. Uh, they moved that whole thing, Dosey Doe, uh, from the northeast. It was a cabin that they found up there, and they they marked oh, every individual log, and it's right there on, you know, the interstate. And, and yeah. when you get there, you're like, "What is this building doing here?" Because it doesn't <laughs> belong there. But they'll have a great menu. So the I didn't know they moved the it. That's I've been yeah. there like once. But they moved it. For, it's because the I was reading about it online though, or something. It's like apparently one of the best acoustic like. They have everything like meticulously like designed in there for the acoustics to sound. And then way. on top of that, they're getting every artist who is a songwriter to come yeah, through there. And they, I noticed that they're uh, they have a great, great, great lineup. And then, mm-hmm. so that's great. And then uh, you know we were talking about the dance halls uh, Friday night. The band, the whole band, will be over at Fryberg Hall, so yeah. in Fryberg, Texas. And that is another cool little spot on the road map and a place that you should go and you know it's fun for me when I get to get the boys together and have the full band events right. as well because I love them so much and they're so good at what they do and I'm very blessed to have them on my team so right on. Uh, it takes a it takes an army yeah and yeah. we got a good one that's yeah it's got a good team behind you that support system you know from your family and your your band and everybody everybody's behind you we here at the Red Dirt Aggie show we're behind you too yeah <laughs> I need it every bit absolutely. of absolutely well, uh, thanks again for, for stopping by. This is Brandon Ryder. I'm Brian the Red Dirt Aggie, and uh, we'll see you next time. Adios. Giga Bliss.